Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 2nd of August, the 214th day of 2021, with 151 days ahead of us before we meet up with 2022. That destination, a mere five months away, turns us all into passengers of our own design, consciously or subconsciously, as we spin through one week to the next, Earth's gravity moderating our position. Once upon a time, during the days of the original 10-month Roman calendar under Romulus in 753 B.C., August was known as Sextilis because it was the sixth month in the 10-month year that began in March. But around 700 B.C., King Pompilius added January and February, and Sextilis became the eighth month, which by 8 B.C. had been renamed Augustus in honor of Emperor Augustus Caesar. Julius's grand-nephew, who had defeated Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Heavenward to the east these first early mornings of August, just before dawn, we might glimpse the beautiful constellation Orion the Hunter, containing the bright stars Betelgeuse and Rigel. And tonight, the planet Saturn will be at its closest to Earth, and Saturn's face will be completely illuminated by our sun. This near-distancing is known as opposition, and means Saturn will be at its largest and brightest insofar as our viewing of it is concerned. Folks with modest backyard telescopes should be able to see Saturn's rings throughout the night. Today in 1776, the U.S. Declaration of Independence was signed by 56 people. Today in 1790, the results of the first U.S. Census were revealed. The total population was 3,939,214 with 697,624 being slaves, which translates to 17.7% of the total population. Today, in 2018, Apple became the first American public-listed company to reach $1 trillion in value. Those of us watching the Olympic Games this past week had a cornucopia of choices, to say the least, with over 7,000 hours worth of Olympic programming to catch snippets from in a myriad of video clips presented montage style. Perhaps a bit of balance in all the dizzying display of technology meeting athletics, however, occurred in the form of one major player, purportedly the most decorated gymnast of all time, Simone Biles, signaling to the world that we are pretty well darn crazy to be carrying on the way we do when it comes to the Olympics. Rates of infection from the COVID virus are again on the rise in the United States and elsewhere in the world since the first reported cases on January 21st, 2020. The United States now has reported 35 million confirmed cases, India 32 million cases, France 6.2 million cases, Russia 6.2 million cases, Turkey 6 million cases, and Spain 4.4 million cases. Those are the top seven contenders in the Olympics of COVID. Worldwide deaths due to COVID are at 4.2 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States are at 612,000. Not a huge number for some folks, unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID. Regionally, we'll see how a scaled-back season of state fairs copes with a recent uptick in COVID cases in Maine. This week, we've got the 170-year-old Bangor State Fair gearing up in Bass Park. 
Other state fairs with condensed schedules in the near offing include the Northern Main Fair in Presque Isle, the Topsom Fair, the Skowhegan State Fair, the Union Fair, the Windsor Fair, and the Blue Hill Fair. Meanwhile, one of these days, perhaps we'll get back to the business of climate change, of pollution from idling vehicles in parking lots, wasting fuel and adding to CO2 emissions. Many of us have excuses for not shutting off a vehicle after the first 10 seconds of idling, that critical cutoff point when an idling vehicle is now using more fuel and emitting more CO2 than if the engine were simply to be restarted. We have many excuses. Will they be good enough for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren in the long run? And finally, I want to thank young Jeremy Todd, whom I met on the Stillwater while setting race buoys for Orono Paddlers this past Thursday, simply relaxing while simultaneously exploring the intricacies of the tricky little kayak he was paddling. Jeremy reminded me about the importance of keeping cordial company on the river, a salve for 21st century neuroses, if ever there was one. Today in 1933, in County Galway, Ireland, Peter O'Toole was born to a bookmaker father and an aristocratic Anglo-Irish mother who had met in 1929 Epsom Derby. Peter's father had a hard time providing for the family, so hoping to improve their circumstances, they moved to London. Unfortunately, their finances remained desperate, and the O'Tooles lived in a slum neighborhood. Peter was placed in a Catholic school where the nuns beat him for being left-handed. His treatment there led Peter to curtail his academic career early. At age 13, he left school to work in a warehouse. Next, he became a copy boy for the Yorkshire Evening News, followed by his enlisting in the Royal Navy, upon his discharge from which Peter found his way to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London, where he charmed the instructors and gained admission. Training there led to his membership in Bristol's Old Vic, which became Peter's venue for several years until his 1962 breakout role as T.E. Lawrence in David Lean's epic Lawrence of Arabia. Hard-drinking Peter had been given the part despite a bottle of liquor tumbling from his pocket during the interview. Peter O'Toole continued to abuse alcohol for many years before eventually swearing off the stuff, ruefully com commenting in 1983, Sobriety's a real turn-on for me. I can see what I'm doing. Today is also the birthday of American actress Myrna Loy in 1905, of American actor Carol O'Connor, and American novelist James Baldwin in 1924, of Canadian multi-instrumentalist Garth Hudson in 1937, of Chilean writer Isabel Allende in 1942, and of American actress Mary Louise Parker in 1964. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the seventh official week of summer. <laughs>